0: This the show, the establishment warned you about. That's right, it's the Dr. Thomas Show. We're glad you're here. This is the first broadcast after Hurricane Ian, and uh, the the state of Florida is rebuilding after Ian, and there's a lot of good people down here helping, and thank you for coming down here. All of the professionals, be it with the electric companies or the uh, people who are just volunteering or the people who are professionals coming in to help rebuild. It's been a devastating event that happened and it's going to take a lot of uh hard work and prayer to bring back some of these communities and it may take maybe it may it may never happen uh, fort myers beach was completely decimated by this thing and it shows the awesome power of nature and it also shows that uh Despite what some people may say, that nature is uncontrollable when it's at its worst. And that's when you have to just be able to uh, rely on the help of others and also rely on your faith to try to make it through. And there's been a lot of people who have lost their lives. I think there's... Uh, last time I saw there was uh, close to or just over 100, mostly in Florida, that had lost their lives in the United States. So this is, uh, this is one of those things that unfortunately this is the the world that we live in as far as uh nature and where we live in florida it's beautiful most of the time and sometimes it is uh deadly and just like in the wildfires of california and earthquakes in california and different things that happen it's just uh something that we have to learn to deal with um the people who were evacuated out of florida we were took a trip down to key west it was already planned so we went ahead and went after after the hurricane after we got our power back on thursday we had almost no damage at all we had just some limbs down we were very fortunate in tampa us meaning tracy and i in tampa in general there was a, there were some people with electricity but overall we avoided any major catastrophic flooding uh, events that would have happened if it had come to Florida, because Tampa, downtown Tampa especially, is prone to flooding in general. I mean, with a bad storm, downtown Tampa floods. And with this type of storm surge, it would have been uh, catastrophic, probably, for downtown Tampa. So how do you get around that? I don't know. I mean, uh, Governor DeSantis said it was a 500-year a uh, flood, basically, so... Hopefully that's the case, and then there's not another one for five hundred years. But um, anyway, the the uh, it's just has something you have to figure out what to do as far as if you're on the if you're on the coast anywhere and the and, uh, hurricanes are coming and they tell you to evacuate, you have to evacuate. And uh, even if they don't tell you to evacuate, if you're in a low lying area, uh, p- particularly if you're in a low lying area or coastal, it's best to evacuate. But sometimes you can't even evacuate. Uh, There was a time, I think it was Charlie or one of the hurricanes that were supposed to come to Tampa again, and it didn't, and it went right through where the path of Ian almost went through, almost exactly, and people evacuated from Tampa, and they went to Orlando, so Tampa's on the Gulf Coast or the West Coast of Florida, and so the people got up out of their places where they were going to be hit by the hurricane and went into Tampa, I'm sorry, went into Orlando, which is the middle of the state, going east in Lakeland and the hurricane went that way so there's sometimes you can't even there's nothing you can do uh, a lot of people that some people that I knew evacuated evacuated out of the state and I guess if you're going to evacuate that's the most uh, that's the most I guess you say f- foolproof way to evacuate is to just get the hell out of the state and some of our patients did do that went to one of them went to Texas I know and some went to Georgia and other places so anyway, our prayers are with those who are hurting and those who have lost their lives. And there's been, like I said, there's numerous that have lost their lives already. Um, and then there's going to be continual needs. So, uh, One of the things that one of our patients noted, he's been involved with hurricane relief in the past. And he said that if you're going to go to one of these areas and you're going to go to help out, you have to go with, with the ability to help out a lot. Because otherwise, if you just go down there and you just want to kind of volunteer and pass out water, it's better just to drop the supplies off and leave because there's stressed supplies down there in the first place. The water you just dropped off is being utilized. And so if you're just going to drop it off, I mean, if you're just there to kind of be a humanitarian, that's fine. But it's better just to drop the stuff off and leave uh, if that's all you're going to do. But if you're going to go down there and do some you know, serious work, that's one thing. You're going to go down there and restore power or you're going to help people... You know, remove debris is a big, huge thing, I'm sure. Uh, that's one thing. But if you're just going to go down there to bring supplies, that's fine to bring the supplies, but bring the supplies, take them down there and leave. Because if you're not, you're just another mouth to feed and you're you're kind of in the way and using supplies. There was not much gas on the way down. And you can imagine if you're there um, trying to, you know, we saw some of these power companies trying to restore power and they were waiting in line like the rest of us trying to get gas and diesel. And there's not much of it around. Anyway, so that's it for, uh, hopefully, uh, hurricanes for us for the season. That was the uh, first and only hurricane of this hurricane season, and hopefully it's the only one. We went through a long period of time. uh, I think it was 10 years where we didn't have a hurricane, and then we had Maria, I believe it was, and um, then we had this one. So that was five years ago, roughly, I think it was, and then we had this one, so... Anyway, it's just one of those things. Like I said, you have to you have to do your best, and then try to try to make it through the best way you can. One thing you shouldn't do though is do like Kamala Harris did, and immediately out of the gate, start blaming the hurricanes uh, on global warming, and then say the way to get around the hurricanes. Uh, The the way to recover from the hurricanes is to immediately go hard left and start using hurricanes as a a vehicle to espouse your racial politics. That's what she did to this uh, women's leadership forum. It was called vice president. This is from Breitbart spoke at a democratic national committee, women's leadership forum with actress Priyanka Chopra Jonas, who was kicked off the discussion by talking about the devastation caused by hurricanes in Florida and Puerto Rico. And of course, climate change. Why wouldn't we do that? Right.
1: That's it she is said. our um, lowest income communities and our communities of color that are most impacted by these extreme conditions and and impacted by by issues that are not of their own making. Why and does so, it seem and, like Kamala is always and on the so verge of we crying? We have to address this in a way that is about giving resources based on equity, understanding that we, we fight right for there. equality.
0: So the resources are based on equity. This is the first thing that she has to say about this thing. This is a hurricane that's devastating. And people were devastated across the board. The hurricane didn't stop and say, "Uh, how much money do you have? And how much money does your community have? And I'm going to devastate you more than the others. But here Kamala Harris comes out and she wants to do uh, resources uh, uh, to help people based on equity
1: but we also need to fight for equity, understanding not everyone starts out at the same place. She's
0: grinning like an idiot while we she's want saying this. to be
1: in an equal place, sometimes we have to take into account those disparities.
0: This is a big thing with the leftists there, the equity thing. Equity is basically saying that there is no um, – it's not enough to have equality. Equality is where people are treated equally, uh, uh, in front of the law mostly, e- treated equally in front of the law, ethically, and this thing that sort of thing. Equity is a different story. Equity is where you say everybody has to be equal. And so just, so her point is, is if you start off lower and then you start off higher. So let's say you have a wealthy neighborhood and then you have a poor neighborhood. Those resources have to be then distributed according to what they started with so that everyone comes out in the end. This is the whole socialist leftist point of view is that everyone must be equal. Everyone that's under them actually must be equal they are never going to be equal because they're always going to be the decision makers who are who are treated uh, with with given more things and, and held in a higher esteem because that's just the way that they run things because they're the masterminds they have to be able to uh, have all of the luxuries of life and you, you as the person who is being uh, administered you have to have whatever they give you
1: um and and do that work
0: and they'll clap like seals
1: But also, I will say, as a former prosecutor, part of this issue also has to be about enforcement and and where appropriate, making sure that the bad actors pay a price for what they do that is directly harming communities in terms of their health and well-being. So when we think about...
0: So what the hell is she talking about here? I don't know.
1: A policy then, there are many aspects to it, including something that the president and our administration and I are very excited about, which is the opportunity that moving towards a clean energy. Um, environment and industry what it will do in terms of job creation and building up our economy it's tremendous
0: i don't know what the hell she's talking about she goes from equity to talking about prosecuting people who did the wrong things and then talking about climate change i i guess and i'm not going to listen to it any further but i guess that what she's talking about is uh, punishing companies that are using fossil fuels that's the only thing i think of i don't know what she's saying. well here's the alternative take on it if you're from um arcadia this is the way you might look at things and this is uh not safe for work or nor is it safe for children so five four three two one hide the children turn down your volume
1: that shit about DeSantis, but that gas is here yeah. in Arcadia. In, in Arcadia. Now, I don't know why the rest of y'all, but it's here in Arcadia, so y'all know who we vote for. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know why the rest of you motherfuckers, but I'm voting for DeSantis, and I'm a Democrat. So y'all can call it what the fuck y'all want. To call
0: it. We got children out okay, here. Uh oh. He's sorry. So that's a Democrat guy in Florida, in this Arcadia, which is a rural part of Florida, talking about what he's going to do, or the reason he's voting for DeSantis after the flood. I'm sorry. After the hurricane and the flood, for me and so, anyways, two points of view. So anyway, Arcadia is not a uh, rich place, and then Arcadia is um, is actually very uh, rural. And like I said, this guy's a Democrat, and he sees uh, he sees what's what's going on. Uh, Let's see what else we got here. Quite that. So that's uh, hurricanes from two different points of view. Uh, One of them is from the racial equity point of view of Kamala Harris and the. I guess economic equity point of view, and the other ones from the real life on the ground point of view of a Democrat voter.
1: That shit about DeSantis, but that gas here is here in Arcadia. In, in, now, Arcadia. I don't know about the rest of y'all, but it's here in Arcadia. So y'all know who we vote for. you <laughs> don't know about the rest of you, motherfuckers, but I'm voting for DeSantis. And I'm a Democrat. So y'all can call it where the fuck y'all Uh oh. <laughs> go. We got children We got children.
0: Anyway, so that's pretty cool. I'm glad that there's people out there that actually can see through the bullshit of uh, people like Kamala Harris. Uh, speaking of bullshit, here's something from United Nations. This is United, This is from Breitbart, I mean. United Nations partners with Google to silence climate skeptics. A United Nations representative revealed a globalist organization has partnered with Google to prioritize messages underscoring the gravity of climate change. Melissa Fleming, the UN's Undersecretary for Global Com- Communication, said in a September 29th World Economic Forum event at the UN, "Is the working that with the, the UN is working to elevate the content uh, of climate change." you know we've partnered with with Google for example if you google climate change you will at the top of your search get all kinds of un resources miss fleming declared we started this partnership when we were shocked to see that when we google climate change we we're getting incredibly distorted information right at the top you know so but basically that when sh- they google climate change they were shocked when they saw that people were saying is climate change real? Do we really have to reorganize our whole lives around uh, uh, what people will say is climate change? Do we all do we really have to give up our uh, ownership of vehicles in the name of climate change? Do we really have to stop eating meat because of climate change? And she saw this at the top of Google and it alarmed her. As social media platforms become more dominant, she said there was a quote proliferation of misinformation and disinformation that was making achieving what we were trying to achieve a better world a more inclusive and more peaceful a more harmonious harmonious world it was making it more difficult so in her in their minds so a, a better world a more inclusive more peaceful basically what they say is you agree with us and, and then you can be harmonious you agree with us and you can be more inclusive and and you're more peaceful if you disagree with us and if you dare to post something on the internet or, or try to uh, Uh, have an alternative point of view of what we did you're you're making things difficult and you're not making things a better world she said that uh social media users are looking for a more curated environment where they can avoid being exposed to the wrong messages so this is a very paternalistic point of view apparently this lady has she says i think there's a certain i think there's certain people who have totally lost got lost down rabbit holes and they're going to hopefully find their way out at some point. This is people like me, I guess. But I do think there are all kinds of people in the middle, she said. And there is evidence that all people are feeling overwhelmed. They're feeling so much gloom and doom from the news environment as well, even the responsible news environment. So I think it's they're thinking there's a hunger to be a part of something that's not conspiratorial, that it's not hateful. It's not divisive. That's working towards making the world a better place. There's a lot of positivity to be had. This, this is the, uh, the, this is the quiet voice of a tyrant right there. That's the person who says under on one, on one side of her mouth, do all these things and talks about being peaceful and all that not hateful. If you dare disagree though, watch out because you are going to be thrown, uh, under, uh, the jail for her, for her. And, um, it it starts with stopping you from being seen on Google is basically what she's saying here. The first thing is to stop you and and people like you from being seen on Google, because Google is is was what basically the only way to get information. The Internet slash Google, which Google runs the Internet, is the only way to get information now. And so if they can control that, if they can just harness the uh, information and restrict what you are able to see, then maybe you will be more peaceful. Maybe you will be a little bit more less hateful. Maybe you'll be less divisive and you'll just follow exactly what they say and today it's climate change and tomorrow it may be racial equity and uh, health equity and other things <clears throat> at some point though it may be something that you don't that you don't agree with if it's already there if it's not already there that you don't agree with what they're talking about so just be on the lookout for people like this but this is United Nations for you United Nations is funded by us essentially um Other countries pitch in, but the United Nations is funded by the United States, and uh, we really should basically defund the U.N. I don't know of a a whole lot of good that comes out of the U.N. The U.N. gave us the W.H.O. The W.H.O. gave us uh, COVID disinformation from the get go about what the COVID virus was and said it wasn't passing from person to person. Then they said uh, China's China's on top of it and there's nothing going on. We believe China. And then later on, they come out and say, well, all these other things, well, it looks like this is a really bad thing. And then also, they're behind uh, stomping out any alternatives to whatever the uh, mainstream pharmaceutical companies have developed as far as fighting COVID and investigating anything that may be already there, such as, um, you know, ivermectin or Plaquenil. You know, they were in charge of stomping out that, um, like she says, disinformation and misinformation, so... I tell you, it's an everyday thing with these people. You have to always be on your guard, and you can't just let down your guard. And this is one of the things that they do. I had another patient the other day said, "Anytime something big happens in the news, he's always on the lookout for what it's covering up because his, in his mind, something big is dropped in the news. They're sliding something else out there, and they don't want you to see it, so they're trying to just basically hide." Uh, and so this is uh that was what he was saying, and you have to also you have to always be suspicious of these. Of these people. Uh, OPEC. Uh, Joe Biden went over to Saudi Arabia. What was it? July. And he fist bumped the prince, crown prince there. And he fist bumped him because he was afraid of getting COVID. He actually got COVID. Appears to be he got COVID on the trip. Because then that's when he came home and got COVID diagnosed. Anyway, this is from MSN.com. And if you're ever looking for garbage news articles that you just want to... Um, I don't know, just blatant, like biased, left wing biased articles that are, are completely slanted. Go to MSN.com and they'll have them. Not that this one is necessarily, but if you want to look for that, if you want to look for, sometimes I look for articles and I think I want an article to kind of illustrate something that's biased. And if somebody else didn't cover it, then I can go to the direct source and get it. So if I wanted something from the Washington Post or from New York Times or whatever, I'll go to MSN.com. Actually, the problem though with going to those, Washington Post or New York Times, all those uh, veritable sources, all these uh, great uh, historic uh, media sources like New York Times and Washington Post, they're always paywalled. Uh, They want you to pay to see their content, and I don't give a damn to pay for New York Times or Washington Post. So anyway, it's funny that they... well. This is from MSN. Biden searching for alternatives to help lower gas after OPEC cuts oil production. President Biden said Thursday his administration looking for ways to lower gas prices after oil exporting countries announced plans to cut production by 2 million barrels a day, a move that will likely raise prices at the pump. Uh, you think it says here, this is Brian Deese, who heads the White House National Economic Council. Said Wednesday, the Biden administration is calling on the U.S. energy companies to keep bringing pump prices down by closing the gap between wholesale and retail prices so that American consumers can pay less of the pump. So is that how you stay in business? Uh, is that how you stay in business when you're paying record inflation for everything? Uh, when you're paying record inflation for for rent, you're paying record inflation for food, you're paying record inflation prices for record inflated prices for energy you're paying uh, inflated prices for wages now because they've passed so many minimum wage hikes and uh this is the way you do it is you close the gap between wholesale and retail prices so brian dees clearly doesn't understand what it is to take to make a, a company work and that thing that he's talking about that gap between wholesale and retail prices that's actually how you make money brian and that's how uh you stay in business this is what happens when you have people in government who have never uh, worked in the real world and are only, uh, you know, theoret- theoreticians or, uh, you know, academic academic people and that they, they've never really worked outside of government. This is how, how they see things. So instead of drilling or uh, re- removing regulations that are holding people back from being able to produce energy here domestically, He says you need to uh, basically not make money. And I guess their next step is to uh, they're going to tap into the strategic oil preserve reserve. I mean, and that is uh, see here. This other article I got. This is from Fox Business. U.S. emergency oil supply shrinks to 40 year low as Biden keeps tapping reserve. President Biden said Thursday he had a reaction of, quote, disappointment after OPEC plus decided to cut oil production. Biden said the U.S. is looking at, quote, alternatives and that we haven't made up our own mind, made up our mind yet. I know what he hasn't made up his mind about is actually using the stuff that's under the ground right now, the dead dinosaurs and plants and things that we have underneath us right now. All this talk about energy, you know, when we when we had to go down to when we went down to the Key West, we had to stop and get gas and gas was not easy to find after Fort Myers. And um, we ended up getting gas. And we had to wait, you know, 45 minutes or so to get it or an hour. Anyway, I was thinking, what in the hell's going to happen when, if these, uh, uh, brain surgeons that run the, the government get their way and they eliminate gas-powered vehicles and they eliminate uh, all these fossil fuels and everything. What's going to happen if something like this happens? I mean, electricity being out is bad, right? Well, it's really bad if electricity is out and generators are out. Or it's real bad if electricity is out and you can't bring a truck in to fix your electricity has anybody ever thought about that does that? do you ever think about how how stupid that sounds that you're going to eliminate uh fossil fuels and you're going to eliminate uh gas-powered vehicles like they're trying to do in california they're saying they're going to do in california by 2035 you ever think and stop and think about how stupid that really sounds if you've ever been in a situation where you have no electricity it really sucks it sucks because you can't run your air conditioner If you are in a place where there's no city water, if you're on a well like we are, you can't run your water, uh, you can't take a shower, you can't heat your water, even if you are in a situation where you have city water, unless you have a gas heater. But then again, that's gas. See, that's my point. Fossil fuels, gas, hydrocarbons. If you were to understand at all how energy works, if you've ever... Taking a course in energy, you would understand that the carbon bonds and, and and hydrocarbons are miraculous. They hold so much energy compared to anything else, uh except for nuclear. And that's why they're so ingenious that they were put here on earth by God or Allah or the great evolutionary beings who uh, evolved from one cell into a dinosaur then died and then they knew later on that they were going to become gas for us whatever the case is gas fossil fuels are a miracle fossil fuels have lifted more people out of poverty and lifted more people out of uh, health despair than anything in the history of our world if you look at fossil fuels now if it wasn't for fossil fuels A lot of the countries that are developing now would be in utter utter, uh, catastrophes as far as health are concerned. It's only because of fossil fuels that they're able to do some of the things that they're able to do in these developing countries. And now we have developed so far, we've come so far that we're now so smart that we have educated ourselves so greatly that now we say hockey stick graphs prove that man is causing the earth, which they say has been here for billions and billions of years man with his cars and with his uh energy and with his cows farting and eating meat and all of these things man is going to be the one to destroy the earth not the asteroid that took out the dinosaurs not whatever happened that caused the ice age not whatever happened that caused the ice age to go away no man with his cars And his dirty CO2, which plants love to eat, which plants require to eat, is going to be the one to take away uh, everything for us. And it it just gets to the point where you think this is sheer idiocy if you start thinking about it in that term. But they don't... That's the thing is, you're not supposed to think about it. You're supposed to feel about it. Thinking about it and feeling about it are the two alternatives that you have in political discourse nowadays. If you are conservative or a libertarian, you're more likely to think about it. If you are a liberal or a leftist, uh, you're more likely to feel about it. Actually, I take that back. I think if you're a liberal, you're more likely to feel about it. I think leftists really do think about it. They think about it and then they use uh, liberals who are operating on good feelings to do their bidding, basically. I think there's a lot of leftists out there who know exactly what they're doing. They know exactly, and these are the globalists. These are the people who are the masterminds in charge of uh, trying to reorder society on the basis of the Great Reset and, and all these things. Those are the guys, they're really thinking, guys and gals, don't want to leave them out. Those are the guys and gals who are really thinking, these leftists who run these big uh, uh, think tanks, is a World, World Economic Forum and all these things, They they have thought it out in the long term, and they know in the long term that if they were able to make people live in cities, if they were to make it less affordable to have things uh, like a a gas powered car and fossil fuels, and then people would say, "Well, we must have to we're going to have to use uh, public transportation now because there's no there's no gas cars anymore, and we're going to have to uh, we're going to have to live in cities so we can drive our little electric car to and from." We won't run out of electricity on the way. So those people actually have thought about things. But anyway, back to the point is leftists uh, are, are the ones who are operating or telling people to operate based on emotion. Whereas, you know, if you're on the right or conservative, you're more likely to operate on the basis of, um, of, um, of, of, of thinking about it. And if you think about it, climate change doesn't make sense and it surely doesn't make sense what they're trying to do to stop climate change, because if they're trying to do if they're really trying to stop climate change, the one that they would be after the most are is China. But they're not. All these accords and everything that we're supposed to join in, they don't they don't affect China. They don't affect China now because China is considered a globe, a developing community. And so in California. They're going to outlaw gas, ga- gas, powered cars, apparently by 2035 or so they say. And then if you look at a lot of these accords, uh, the things that we're supposed to enact now in the United States to uh, restrict our ability to uh, do things like heat our homes, drive cars and things like that, pay more for energy. We're supposed to start that now in uh, China. They don't start that until 2050 because they're developing, you see. And so in my math, if 15 I mean, if 2035 is when we have to stop driving gas cars because it's so important that we do that to stop climate change, uh, what's going to happen when China keeps doing it for another 15 years after that because they don't have to start till 2050? And who's to say China's going to start anyway? I mean, it's really a fool's errand. And I think what it is is basically it's a big scam. I don't think climate change is anything other than a scam that's used by people to rile people up emotionally to cause popular support for things that people are investing in now where they can become rich later. So let's say that you are a climate change uh, person, a big wig. You you enact policies now that says you have to start making these investments in these industries now. Uh, So you do that by laws, right? And to get those laws popular supported, you go out and tell everybody who will listen Look, these hurricanes are caused by climate change. Never until the climate change catastrophe, catastrophe of humans and the Industrial Revolution, uh, never until then has have we had hurricanes like this. Never. And people obviously weren't alive before the Industrial Revolution, so they just listen and they assume that they're right. And then they look past the dinosaurs and they look past the Ice Age and they look past the, uh, the loss of the Ice Age and all this other stuff. And they say, you know what, it is, it, they're right, it's, it's too dangerous, we have to enact these policies. So then you drive popular support for your laws and your, in, and, and your, uh, and your regulations, and those, then the people who are the operators, the, big, the bigwigs again, they're in the background investing in all these different industries. So they're getting rich like Al Gore. You know, Al Gore's uh, the big climate change guy, and he's invested in all the climate change stuff. Then he goes out there and whips people into a frenzy about climate change, and guess what? He gets rich. That's just a microcosm of how it works, and that's what I think's going on. And people like Gavin Newsom and all these other clowns—they're enacting these things where they're going to, uh, like I said, outlaw gasoline engines by 2035. That's not going to happen. There's no way that's going to happen. Just be, even if they wanted it to happen, it couldn't happen because they couldn't get stuff done. Just like I said. Could you imagine there's a uh, a, uh, a wildfire in California and you're sitting there trying to charge your electric truck or your electric helicopter so you can go deliver aid or, or put out a fire? It just It's not going to happen. But what's going to happen in the meantime is they're going to drive all these people to support these things that are make these companies rich. You know, BlackRock is this big investment firm, private equity firm and you know, i believe as the state of louisiana just pulled out 800 million dollars out of blackrock saying we're not going to support you uh financially by investing with you because of your 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 uh, adversity to climb or your your adverse stance on fossil fuels you know blackrock's big on uh esg environmental social governance which basically means left wing stuff and if you aren't following ESG slash left wing uh, talking points or left wing uh, advocacy points, then the BlackRock's going to punish you by uh, not investing in you or by not allowing you to access the capital. And that's a big thing. And ESG is a, is a whole other big, huge topic. But ESG basically is the financial piece of uh, environmentalism it's the financial piece of how you force companies to do what you want. So ESG allows corporations to show that they are thinking right. And by thinking right, accessing capital, because these, these corporations, these banks and things like this aren't allowing you to get access to capital. If you are not, don't have a great ESG score. It's really a it takes a lot to unpeel that onion. But if you if you think about it, there are a lot of the stuff that's going on now. It starts off with a hurricane and a response to a hurricane. But it unpeels so much more than what they're after. And they're so uh, dishonest, they'll never come out and tell you. So you have to go out there and find it yourself. This is from the com. First poll released since Hurricane Ian shows DeSantis with double-digit leads lead as ballots start going out. So they're starting to send the ballots out. There's still more than a month to go before Election Day, but in Florida, it looks like the governor's race is Governor Ron DeSantis is to lose, according to the most recent polling in the state. Charlie Crist is who's running against DeSantis and says, Charlie Crist is currently behind DeSantis by 11 points, according to the poll. This is a uh, Mason-Dixon poll, which puts him well outside the margin of error of 3.5%. That's not a lock. Nothing is really, but it's about as close to one as we're likely to see this year. That's right. Thank goodness. Uh, it basically said in here that DeSantis is also outspending Chris 10 to 1 on ads, a feat made possible in part by the fact that he has reportedly 27 times more cash on hand to play with than Chris, which is interesting because usually what happens with these, not necessarily DeSantis, but anytime you have a Republican running in a competitive race against a Democrat, the Democrats usually have so much more money on hand because the Democrats really are the party of the rich, despite what they say. The Democrats are the party of the elites. Let's put it that way. Not necessarily rich people, but the elites, the people who are rich, but also use their money to try to gain uh, their economic and political advantage uh, in the left wing way. And uh, there's a lot of them out there. Like I said, the ESG corporations and all that people who are you know, involved with esg and their corporations are too those are all democrat people those are all and usually the democrat gets funded by these companies through PACs and things of that nature but apparently they see charlie christ as a lost cause and i thought it was interesting when they did have charlie Crist run again as a governor because the guy is run now for governor this will be his second run at governor since he's been an ex-governor because he was governor once for four years here in Florida as a Republican. And then he lost the Senate race as an independent because he got primaried by, um, Marco Rubio back in 2010. And then he tried to run for governor again against, uh, Rick Scott and Rick Scott beat him. And so now here he is again, uh, trying to, trying to, uh, get water from a rock or turnip and trying to beat, uh, blood from a turnip and trying to beat, um, DeSantis because it ain't going to happen. DeSantis is much more popular than Charlie Christ ever was as a governor. And uh, so it's not going to happen. This is from conservativebrief.com. Record number of New Yorkers re-registering driver's licenses in Florida. The state of Florida under Governor Ron DeSantis and a Republican legislative majority continues to be a beacon for Americans tired of living in heavily regulated blue states. Just the News reports the analysis comes at a time when New York Governor Kathy Hochul has urged New York Republicans to leave and to leave, and Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has welcomed new residents to the free state of Florida. In August, 5,838 New Yorkers switched their driver's license to Florida, the highest recorded number for a single month in history. That's pretty amazing. And this is what Kathy Hochul says, and we're here to say that the era of Trump and Zeldin and Molinero." Just jump on a bus and head down to Florida where you belong, okay? Ah. People cheered. Hochul said last month at a campaign event for newly elected Representative Pat Ryan. Get out of town. Get out of town because you don't represent our values, Hochul said, impersonating Hillary Clinton. You're not New Yorkers. So she's telling these people that voted for Zeldin or going to vote for Zeldin and Molinero and uh, this other person, Trump, that you're not New Yorkers get out of town and they are, they actually are. They're leaving in in droves. And uh, we've seen some of them here. Actually, we have one of our patients here said that he lived in New York and then he went, he lived in New York and he moved out of New York. And then right before COVID, he went back to New York and he said that he'll never go back to New York as long as it's in the way it is now. he said, it's unrecognizable. Um, There's a lot of people that are uh, fleeing New York and some other people are fleeing New York, and Kathy Hochul doesn't want them there. And this is from The Daily Caller. New York Governor Kathy Hochul calls for a, quote, federal solution to border crisis now that illegal migrants are flooding her backyard. Democratic New York Governor Kathy Hochul said the Biden administration needs to, quote, or needs to create a quote federal solution to the immigration crisis as thousands of migrants flood the state. During a Tuesday interview with Bloomberg televisions, David Weston Hochel said she had previously quote raised this with the White House, as the Big Apple continues to be flooded with migrants from the southern border. And then Mayor Adams, who is also uh, a uh, sanctuary state, sanctuary state proponent, said. The far right is doing the wrong thing. The far left is doing nothing. I mean the silence. I don't believe the silence that I'm hearing, Adam said. These people are in need of services, and I'm not hearing from the two ends of the spectrum. Far right is doing what is wrong. What's wrong? Far left is doing nothing at all. What's the far right doing that's wrong? And far right means, I guess, anybody who's uh, basically uh, right of, or uh, Mitt Romney probably qualifies as far right in his mind. Anyway... Republicans are doing what's wrong. Democrats are doing nothing at all. That's what it basically meant. It's time for us to address this in a unified way, and that's what we're doing. This administration is doing We should, be. we should not be doing it alone. Uh, from what I read, that they actually, I saw another article that said they shipped these migrants to some type of island. It wasn't Martha's Vineyard, but they shipped them to an island in New York. I'm not sure what island, but that's what I read in another article. I don't have it with me. The city has received more than 11,000 illegal migrants since May, overwhelming the city's shelter system. Adams said mid-September that system, the system city was quote nearing its breaking point. Every time I read this stuff and says they're called illegal migrants and they're shipping them to cities and putting them in shelters, I just think about they're coming to America, right? America's a If you listen to the left or any Democrat, Presidential election season, they portray America as a hellhole. Usually in election seasons, they always think about it this way. They they portray it this way. But especially in election season, especially for president, Democrats say America is a hellhole. America is racist. America is misogynist. America is against poor people. America is uh founded on racism. America has racist statues, and then uh you see all these people just flooding to try to get here. It just no, doesn't ever make sense to me and I always wonder, why aren't they going to China? Why aren't they going to Russia? you know why aren't they going to some of these uh these glorious socialist places, these socialist paradises? I suppose they are flooding other socialist paradises in Europe. Sweden, things of that nature, but I always wonder what would happen to these migrants if they just showed up in China. What would China do with eleven thousand illegal migrants? It's just funny to think about. Uh, it's not funny actually for the people though. These people poor people are being used. They're told to come here by these mayors, these governors, these presidents, and said, "Come, we're a sanctuary city. We're a sanctuary state." We're a sanctuary company or country. The borders are open and then they come here and then they're treated like a prize. I mean, New York wants them. New York is a sanctuary state. New York city is a sanctuary city. Washington DC is a sanctuary city. Chicago is a sanctuary city. Uh, I suppose San Francisco is too. Um, in Massachusetts is a sanctuary state, I believe. That's why uh, Governor DeSantis sent the uh, illegal migrants to their uh, to uh, Martha's Vineyard. And what do they do as soon as they get here? So they say, "Come here, come here. We want you. We're big-hearted liberals. We're big-hearted, compassionate. We want you here." We're not like the racists that founded this country. We're not like the racist statues you see. Uh, we love you. We love, we love diversity. Uh, we love inclusion. Uh, we want you to come here and think the way you want to think, just as long as you don't think differently than we do. And then if you try to think that differently, then we'll get with Google to censor that so you can't even see it. But anyway, come here. And then they come here. And then they, what do they do? They complain about them nonstop. Why are they here? Why are they here? What can we do with them? We're a sanctuary city. We told them to come here. Now they're here. Now help us out. Give us some money. I mean, does New York not have enough money to take care of these people? And if they don't, then why the hell did these uh, state these uh, these uh, politicians tell the people to come there? That's the height of hypocrisy, and that's the height of uh, uh, that's the, that's the height of hypocrisy, and that's the height of mismanagement when you're telling people to come to your state and you know you don't have the ability to take care of them. You know what that also is, though? What it truly is, is virtue signaling. Because Kathy Hochul knows damn well, and Mayor Adams knows damn well, that in order to get to California, I'm sorry, in order to get to New York, if you're an illegal, you're going to have to come through the border states. And unless you're coming by ferry boat to Ellis Island or or thereabouts, you're not going to get to New York unless you go through a border state. So they can virtue signal and they can say, come come to the sanctuary state of New York. Come to the sanctuary city of New York City. Come to Washington, D.C. if you're Mayor Bowser. Come to Chicago if you're Mayor Lightfoot. But they know they're going to have to trespass through border states first to get there. And so they can virtue signal on one hand and act all, uh, you know, they can they can show how big-hearted they are. And the in and the, and the other hand, they can know, well, these people are probably never going to end up here anyway. And if they do end up here, we're going to put them in the uh, inner city slums and they're really not going to have a very good life anyway. But that's what we do. You know, they virtue signal about that, just like the virtue signal about everything else that, uh, you know, climate change. Leonardo DiCaprio virtue signals about how he, he cares so much about the climate as he jet sets across the country and every other uh, big shot climate change activist does with their private jets. Going to uh, fancy places in Europe to talk about how they care so much about the country or the world and flying in their jets. Uh, we have a new president at UF. This is President, apparently, President Ben Sass is going to be the president of UF, University of Florida in Gainesville. Little Ben Sass, as uh, some of you may know, is currently a senator in Nebraska a junior senator was elected there in 2014 so he's eight years in he's a second term elected to a second term, and he's one of the seven Republican senators to vote to acquit convict i'm sorry Donald Trump of inciting an insurrection in a second impeachment trial so Ben sass little Ben Sass is now going to be the president of u f and his uh career includes. Uh, before his stop at the Senate, he was a president of a college in Texas. Uh, what is it called here? Midland, Lutheran College, now Midland University. 37, youngest elected chief executive in American higher education when he took over leadership of a 128 year old institution in spring of 2010. So, there we go. So now the guy who's going to run UF, and, uh this college, I think I read here it has, uh, during his enrollment, his term, he, he uh, his, listen to this college that he was in charge of. Sass was installed as president of Midland Lutheran College, now Midland University, on December 10, 2010. When he was appointed, enrollment was at a historic low, and the college was, quote, on the verge of bankruptcy. During his tenure as president, you ready for this? Enrollment grew from 590 to 1,300 students. So congratulations, President Sass. I hope you don't screw it up because I can tell you for sure, UF's a different animal than uh, uh, Midland University, and it's kind of an interesting pick that they picked this guy. I don't know. Ben Sass, little Ben Sass. He's the current president, or I guess future president of the Florida Gators. Anyway, thank you for all joining us, and I hope uh, I hope you all are safe if you're listening. And uh, please, uh, if you can help out with the people in um, Florida, it would be wonderful. And uh, like I said, help out, help out a lot. Or if you can just send donations, and that would be great, too. So we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. <laughs>